This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, April the 21st. Hope you're okay. Our top story today is about a man who's been caught up in a legal fight over the land he lives on for the past seven years. Langley Beck has been accused of turning the site, which is in an area of outstanding natural beauty near Maidstone, into a rubbish dump. This week, the Borough Council managed to secure a High Court injunction, ordering the 58-year-old to clear the 14-hectare area within six months. Plus, he can no longer live there. Our reporter, Katie Heslop, went to speak to Mr Beck and joins me on the podcast. So firstly, Katie, for anyone who doesn't know this area, can you describe where it is? Yeah, sure. So it's in Boxley, um, but it's down um, lots of kind of winding, winding lanes, rural country lanes. Um, and uh, it's down a particular lane called Bell Lane. Um, but it's quite hard to find Bell Lane because the sign for it is completely splintered in half. So all it says is just lane. So that itself is quite hard to find. Um, and then on the other side, it just it looks over at the M2 and then past the M2, I think is Waterslade. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where we are. It's kind of this rural location, but also very near traffic as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess you could easily drive past and not really know it's there. But when you got to the site, just describe what it's like. You drive in and you first thing you see is just this kind of white truck and kind of a pile of bricks. And to start with, it doesn't look too bad. And then you drive in further and further and yeah you just see all these all these vehicles there are just a, a lot of them um one vehicle was completely almost submerged um in greenery it was like you know nature was kind of taking its hold and then there's lots of building material um but also amongst all this kind of building material you know like pipes and things like things like that there's just the most random stuff like garden statues garden gnomes there was even like a little sad teddy bear um kind of under one of the tires but then as you go further on there's there's even more so yeah there's lots of different parts to it obviously you'd heard about it you, you'd kind of followed the story could you even kind of contemplate what it was going to be like did it match your expectations was it even bigger more vast more surprising We'd seen pictures of it um, and we, so we, we kind of knew what to expect in that way. And obviously I'd spoken to the council beforehand. So, so I kind of knew what to expect, but later on we went um, further in. He was kind of, sh- Mr. was showing us around. And what is quite startling, as well as all the, the cars and things like that, that are completely rusted, is there was just this great plain. I don't know exactly how big it was, but, you know, it seemed like a big expanse of just this soil and dirt. And there's lots of, and this is where Mr Beck says he burns roots and things, but there's lots of kind of just rubbish scattered about, like pieces of white, you know, material scattered about, like piles of rubbish. And that is what is, you, you, I didn't expect. So for me, that was quite, I was quite taken aback by that. And tell us about the conditions that he's actually living in, because he does live there, doesn't he? Well, he, he used to live there. Um, the order 
he's lived there since 1984 and he's lived there till very recently but um obviously the injunction that was served on him I think you know April 9th or something says you can't live there anymore you have to you just you can't can't be there anymore so he says he's sleeping in his car which is off-site but yeah I mean the conditions he's been living in for all these years um it seems to be it's just kind of cabins stacked on top of each other um he says he doesn't have any internet any electricity um and so he seems to live a very kind of you know a rural isolated life it doesn't seem to bother him at all that he is living amongst all these all this you know what, what I would see as rubbish he doesn't see it as rubbish but what not, I think most people would see as rubbish um and it, it doesn't bother him because he, he loves he says he loves the land and it's where his family um you know are from when I said you know oh can we sit down he went and fetched us some chairs and then he got me a really grubby pillow so he was he was very nice you know to us he's very polite and um things like that so yeah it was, it was certainly very interesting so what, what did you make of him then as, as a person? As you say there, he's obviously still, you know, he, he goes out and about in his car. He was obviously keen to make sure you were, you were comfortable there when you were chatting to him. What did you make of him? Well, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd heard that, you know, he, he might be difficult to speak to, but um, he actually seemed very keen to speak to us after the interview. He said, because I went with a colleague, he said with us, um, you know uh, this is the first time people have really wanted to hear you know my side of things have come down um and he was saying how he likes a Kent messenger and things like that um but you know he was also talking about his friends as well so I think he does know people and he speaks to people and things like that so he does have connections and yeah to to, to me he was very polite um kind of courteous uh, very very keen to put his side across I think that was you know that's kind of what we spoke about the most but, you know, he, he really does seem to care about his land. He said he wouldn't sell it for £10 million. But that is the, the odd thing, because he's saying all these things, you know, he loves his land, but then you, you look at the land and you think, well, how has this, how has this been allowed to happen? And I guess that's just... That's just that's just him. That's his viewpoint. Um, Mr Beck has also been told he must pay the council's legal costs of £10,000. He says he will fight the ruling and has applied for an appeal, but is still waiting to hear if that will be granted. We will, of course, keep you updated on any further developments. Kent Online News. Next today, a network rail has been fined almost £700,000 following a fire near Ashford, which left an engineer with severe burns. And investigations found the blaze at Goddington substation in December 2018 happened after the company failed to prevent water leaking into the building. They'd known about the issue for nine months, but repairs were delayed despite workers raising concerns. Network Rail has now admitted failing to protect the safety of staff. Monica Babb is one of Her Majesty's inspectors for railways. This was a significant breach of health and safety. So the system wasn't robust enough that they were able to identify the fault from a risk-based perspective. So the fact that the fault was in substation should have highlighted that should have been looked at quite quickly and also they should have made sure that some mitigation was put in place because of the type of building it was. Are you able to let us know anything at all about the worker who was injured and how they are because obviously they were very significantly hurt when this happened? So in terms of the injured party they 
still are employed by Network Rail, but they are not back, back at work yet. Obviously, they are still suffering tremendously from the effects of the, their injuries. They don't have capacity at the moment to go back to work, do the job that they're doing. And the person that was working with them has gone back to work, but due to the impact of the injury to his, his co-worker, um, he's not been able to go back and do the same job he was doing also. So it's had a significant impact on both of them. Almost 200 asylum seekers have risked their lives crossing the channel to Kent this week. UK Border Force officers have dealt with six small boats and French authorities have also prevented six more groups from making the dangerous journey. It comes amid criticism for the Home Office as hundreds of refugees are expected to be moved into Napier Barracks in Folkestone despite concerns about living conditions there. The Archbishop of Canterbury says bereaved relatives should be allowed to decide whether the National Covid Memorial Wall in central London should be made permanent. Around 150,000 pink and red hearts have been put up opposite the Houses of Parliament to represent those who've died with coronavirus. It stretches for almost 500 metres and keeps being added to as the death toll rises. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Let's update you now on yesterday's top story and the fallout from plans for a European Super League in football. Well, since the podcast, all six English Premier League teams who'd signed up to the idea have now withdrawn. It followed widespread criticism from other clubs, fans and even the Prime Minister, who'd said he'd block the proposals with a new law if necessary. The whole thing has sparked a review into how football is run and that will still go ahead. In fact, the Kent MP leading it says it's long overdue. Our colleagues at KMTV have been catching up with former sports minister and Chatham and Aylesford rep Tracy Crouch. There were reasons to run a review into football governance way before the ESL uh, news broke. But I think that, you know, with coronavirus pandemic raging uh, as it has for the last year, it hasn't quite been the right time to do it. Uh, and I think the Secretary of State was keen to allow football to sort of kind of get its way through, navigate its way through the, the, the coronavirus uh, crisis. But unfortunately, six members of football made it very clear that they weren't as conscious of the crisis caused by coronavirus as the rest of us and therefore you know that's why the review has been triggered and for those who obviously aren't football fans and don't know too much about the story um tell us about what your role is basically there to do well i will lead the review um, the re- review will be fan-led it will be led by those who have a deep personal passionate interest uh, in the future of football it, it does come as a consequence of some significant things that have happened in football over the last uh, few years. You know, sadly, we saw Berry disappear as a consequence of governance decisions that were taken. Um, but there are also things that are emerging in football that actually didn't exist previously when uh, you know the Premier League was set up or when um, you know, other issues have, have been raised in, in the past. So I think we'll be looking... Uh, at lots of different things, things such as the owners and directors test, which is has been long under scrutiny. Um, I think we'll be looking at the future financial state, st- uh, sustainability uh, in the whole pyramid, not just in the Premier League, uh, but throughout. Uh, and here across Kent, we have good reason to do that. Uh, I think we're looking at how we can grow and strengthen the game for the future. So there's there's nothing that's off the table. Uh, in terms of the review. 
there has been a lot of questions as to why government should be involved in this. Ultimately, football is is a sport, and and it it shouldn't have government interference. And I I think one of the that's actually one of the reasons why government hasn't been involved in the past is that essentially we agree with that, and football has been fairly self-regulatory as a consequence but unfortunately despite the fact that there have been you know lots of last chances uh, on many of these issues nothing has changed and that is why government is having to step in hundreds of electric vehicle charging points are going to be installed in canterbury bosses say they're expecting a huge surge in demand as petrol and diesel cars are slowly phased out they're hoping to install 700 charging points over the next four years Bus services on Sheppey are at risk after Arriva announced it's looking into closing its Sheerness hub. The company says routes that link different parts of the island could be scrapped from June, but those going to and from the mainland should be unaffected. The campaign's underway to stop the plans, following concerns it could leave some people stranded. Now, two professional Thanet skateboarders are pushing for their new multi-million pound skate park idea to become a reality. Nick Poley and Dan Cates have received support from Margate-based artist Tracy Emin, who's pledged £100,000 towards the new skate park. That's on top of a potential £1 million from a government scheme. With a proposal, would see the ramps built on the site of a derelict crazy golf course in Cliftonville. Nick says if it happens, it needs to be done properly. It's a once in a lifetime thing. And the thing is, if it doesn't get right, done right, it'll be used as an excuse like, oh, yeah, we built this skate park, but no one uses it. Yeah, because it's rubbish. Or, you know, or they'll build something that's like 50 grand and say, yeah, well, we, yeah, we've ticked a box. You've got a skate park. Danny says there are quite a few sceptics to the idea, but it would be a good thing for the area. This is for real. It's got a lot of support. It's a positive thing. You should try and see that for yourself. You should try and um, be a bit more open-minded to it because we're not going away. A Gravesend man who was abandoned as a baby outside a pub toilet says he feels reborn after being reunited with his birth family more than 50 years later. Simon Jeffrey was found inside a corned beef box outside the then railway tavern in Greenhithe in 1963. It wasn't until he appeared on ITV's Long Lost Family he discovered his biological family lived in Northfleet and he had six siblings. You can read more about the 57-year-old story at Kent Online. And Strictly Come Dancing finalist and Kent YouTube star Harvey is set to perform a one-off gig at the Royal Albert Hall this Sunday. The 22-year-old singer from Hartley will be part of a special behind closed doors digital show to mark the concert hall's 150th anniversary kent online sport firstly football and gillingham bounced back from a defeat at the weekend to win 1-0 against peterborough united last night connor ogilvie scored the only goal in the game away from home it was a pretty unexpected victory as peterborough are currently second in league one jill's boss steve evans says his side showed great character we were very good in it and what we said to do Good tactically, good discipline, good shape, played on percentages, run a lot. And then we had to hope that when their chances or good half chances come, because they've got such creativity in the team that they didn't take them. So we don't go away with any um, sense of anything other than it was a hard-hand victory against a team that I desperately hope, because you know I'm a fan, so I desperately hope that they, they play in the championship. And ideal for me, they'll play championship for the next year and we'll be in the plus, but it's a, it's a big stretch for now. It's a real tough test coming here, but home form is, is incredible. It's incredible because they're a good team. They make chances, they play on the front foot, they get, they're well coached, they're, they'll get promoted. But for us tonight, it was important we, 
really good performance. We did that, we got the win, and it takes us forward to, to Northampton. We'll go back on the train again to walk hard, and our supporters can dream like they did last Friday, although we let them down on Saturday. People around uh, Gillingham, when, when I went shopping, I went for fuel, and I like walk up through the high street, and, and people were stopping me. It's about obvious was my Gillingham gear, but, um, and they were saying, you know, just keep fighting, been great. And uh, some of my players have turned up and, and used that spirit, they kept fighting. And it just allows our supporters to think, right, Northampton is, is another big important game. But I still believe it'll be Hull City. I still believe it'll be Peter United that have gone up automatics. I think there's three already booking their place in the playoffs. And, and we've got the one of them that, that, that just calls itself in. But it's, it's, it's going to take some results to help us. And, it, and it's, I think we all know it's going to have to take us to, to win three games. Gillingham are now ninth in the table, four points off the playoff places with three games of the season left. They welcome Northampton Town to Priestfield on Saturday. And in cricket, Kent have signed former Pakistan fast bowler Mohamed Amir for the second half of this year's T20 Blast. The 29-year-old played for Essex a few years ago but will now join the Spitfires for up to seven group matches and will be available to play in the knockout rounds if Kent qualify. He says he's excited to join a team full of potential. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. To do it, just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.